Hi there. You're listening to Capricorn Rising Inc., the podcast exploring the intersection of intuition and business. I'm your host, Alex Kaola. I'm an intuitive executive and business coach. On this show, we talk to professional intuitives and those who integrate their intuition into traditional corporate roles about the special sauce that makes each one of us successful. We cover topics like manifesting your dream job, discovering your zone of genius, creating meaningful business branding, and of course, the astrology and human design underneath it all. P.S. Capricorn Rising Inc. is the podcast formerly known as Intuition Calling and the business formerly known as High Priestess of Brooklyn. Hey, if Kylie Jenner can rename her child after 16 months, let's normalize rebranding our business too. Stay in touch with us at Capricorn Rising Inc. on social media and our website. And remember, a Capricorn Rising Tide lifts all boats. Let's start the show. Good morning, beautiful people. Welcome back to another episode of Capricorn Rising Inc. Today, we have my friend Taylor McPherson, aka Sparkle Queen of LA on the line. And this is a great conversation to learn more about the ins and outs, the behind the scenes, the BTS, as the kids would say, on social media growth, um, really hacking your growth, learning the algorithms that play a part in these apps, and doing that while running a business, having a regular personal life, and even taking those those aspects of our lives and bringing them to a platform like social media, which is truly another realm, as you all uh, are well aware. I'm pretty sure everybody listening has engaged with social media at one point in their lives, even if it was just the last time was MySpace Tom, you know, um, who we've been joking about recently, like really made out the best probably out of all social media. (laughs) pioneers. He's just like on an island somewhere. We're not really sure, um, you know, living his best. And he was, you know, a lot of our first friends. So, um, but Taylor really just is so open and honest. She does not gatekeep. She tells us what's up, how she grew her platform from zero in 2020 to 150,000 roughly across both TikTok, her main platform and Instagram. And she she talks about why she's like this and I think it's really interesting, but like the thick skin that she has, the zero fear that she has to just run straight up to like trolls and online criticism and sort of we could all, you know, I definitely could, and I do learn a lot from that approach because she basically says like, look, this is not real life. And so if I'm putting out a hot take and she does a lot of content around dating, so she has her sparkle business. She'll wear her sparkles while she gives dating advice, you know, does story times about dating, where to meet men, things like that. And so sometimes those videos given that these algorithms, right, are, we're really at the whim to them if we're not paying for the platform. And you remember in the social dilemma, the famous phrase that came out of that, which is, if you're not paying for the product, then you are the product. 
So Taylor's very aware of that. She's like, I know that I need to play the game of what TikTok wants from me um, in order to get my message out there. And I think it's a reminder that, you know, if you want to play the game and use this as a growth strategy, which it absolutely is, you know, she's book solid um, for festivals and events and things like that. You can book her um, and I'll put I'll, I'm going to include all of her resources in the show notes, but um you can book the sustainable sparkle bar for a party or a festival. And she does both all the time. Um, then you, you just have to play the game and you, (laughs) she does, she does. And she tells us how, so I love that. Um, we also talk a little bit about, um, the creative personas that one can adopt to go into the realm of social media. So I think this is an interesting concept and it's very common in creative spaces. So why wouldn't content creation be any different? But people basically create like a persona to create under. So this could be a pseudonym when you're a writer. This could be um, a pseudonym as as a musical artist. So um, St. Vincent, if you're familiar with her, her real name is Annie. I'm blanking on her last name, but she actually has a master class. <laughs> it's really good. But um, she goes by St. Vincent professionally. That's common in the musical space, obviously. Like the people don a persona, Bad Bunny, right? Like that's not his real name. I mean, I'm pretty sure. I actually don't know his real name. <laughs> I'm almost positive it's not Bad Bunny, but... <laughs> imagine it's just bad first name bad last name bunny (laughs) it's like license oh my god okay um but anyway the point of that (laughs) get to the point alex yeah yeah the point is it it allows you to don this different persona to deliver a message in a way that your personal name is not associated with. So you're not going up there. And I say this, like I wasn't always creating content as Alex Kaola. I was creating content as High Priestess of Brooklyn, which was me, obviously, but like a little different, a little more, you know, there's things I would say differently. There's ways I would put things that are a little different to, to grab the audience. Like, I don't know that I always speak like that. Actually, I kind of do, I guess, but Um, now that I'm using that as like my personal, that persona, um, I'm, I'm kind of, I've used it as a way to sort of like get myself out there, get over like some of those fears truly, because I'm very sensitive, um, of online criticism or, you know, people seeing me and not accepting me or, you know, abandonment shit. So we kind of talk about like the shadow things underneath social media and, um, and I think that, you know, who also helped me with that? And you can go back and listen to this episode, Jordan Jepp. So we talk about shadow work in relationships. And it actually weaves nicely into this conversation with Taylor, too, because we with Taylor, um, back to this episode, <laughs> with Taylor, we talk about her recent breakup. And because she does dating and romantic advice, she is processing that breakup and like 
you know, figuring out how she's going to bring that into lessons and her content, which is admirable and also super difficult because I've done the same. I, I think I stray away from using a lot of personal examples, um, but I have also needed to create content, needed, quote unquote, right? <laughs> if you want to play the game, I needed to if I wanted to be in the game, but I, I've recently kind of like taken a little cute uh, <laughs> time out. I almost said QT. That's not right. Sports? Question mark? Anyway. Um, but Taylor, you know, is like keeping it moving. And so um, we all know, we can all probably relate to something at work where you're like going to cry or are crying. And then you have to go into a meeting, right? It's really the same thing with social media, except for you have to look camera ready and presentable and talk, you know? So it's anyway. So we talk about that. We like get into a little disagreement. Um, it's all, you know, amicable of course, but you know, just sort of like what the courting phase should look like. Um, and like what she wants it to look like versus, you know, leading into relationship, how you keep things balanced. And so we talk a lot about that, which I think is, um, is great, right? Like we're not always going to have the exact same takes. And I think creating a safe space to have disagreements is fantastic. Um, and then we talk a little bit more about the growth for her business. And so that's super exciting. She's getting ready to hire, you know, semi full time this year, which is a big deal in your business. And so we walk through a little bit of a hiring exercise, which is what I do with my clients all the time. And, you know, just thinking about, you know, what are the core values that are important to you when you're hiring? And so that was fun. Um, we are rooting for Taylor to find her manager. If you want to be her manager uh, for the business, you can DM her. Maybe that's the unlikely way you'll get the job, right? <laughs> In this day and age, you know, gone are the job applications, right? Hopefully. Oh, I was even a recruiter and I know how painful it is on the other side. It is so difficult. And look, recruiters look at your resume for like 11 seconds. It's crazy. So if you can find some sort of inroad to getting the job, if you can find someone that you know or, you know, do it through your network or, you know, just manifest so well that somebody comes to you, I mean, highly recommend. Um, in any case, this is a great conversation. I really sure that you will enjoy it. And if you do, would you care to rate, even review, not only this, but the other episodes as well? Um, if you're listening on Apple, you can do that via a written review. If you're on Spotify, you can leave uh, some stars and would so greatly appreciate that because we're organically growing this podcast. We are doing such great things with a really shoestring bootstrapped um, budget and people involved. And so, you know, any little bit from you helps so, so much. And actually until the end of January, I'm going to give away a, a coaching call for, if you rate, review, and send me a screenshot, you're entered in to win. So that'll be fun. That'll be really fun. Um, if you're at a precipice in your career, 
if you are ready to start the next thing and need a little encouragement, want to look at your charts for some inspiration and, um, you know, just get things moving again and unblocked and, you know, raring to go, this is your sign. So without further ado, uh, you can follow Taylor at Sparkle Queen LA on every platform. Everything will be linked in the show notes to connect with her. And then I'm also going to include some freebies, um, some Just Works pieces that I wrote about hiring. If that piece of the conversation really resonated with you and you want to go a little deeper, there's some more resources for you. So enjoy and I'll chat with you soon. Thanks. I'm good. I just came from yoga. You do so. yoga every day, don't you? Five days a week, yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot of yoga. <laughs> Are you like blissed out? <laughs> blissed out? Yeah. If I don't do it, then I'm not as nice to people. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely – You, I can tell when I'm like due for a workout of some sort. Like it's, it's like a um, – it's irritability, I guess, is yeah. what we would call it. <laughs> yeah. And I like, can't stop thinking about it. I'll be like, I have to do yoga. I have to do yoga. I have to do yoga. So I just get up and do it. So I don't have to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, what I feel like I know of you and, and just getting to know you over the years, kind of through social media and, you know, conversing back and forth, you're pretty much like a, just get up and fucking do it person. Aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I am. That's so funny. All around. <laughs> With everything, yeah. <laughs> like, why? Why do you think? Like, what can you attribute that to? Hmm, that's a good question. What can I attribute my get up and do it spirit to? I think not having as much. So it's like if you don't, when you don't have, like, grow up not having things, like you have to get up and do something, otherwise you're not going to have anything. Oh, and also maybe just like not wanting to be bored. So always needing to be doing something. That's another, like, I, you know, feel like I was somebody who has ADHD, but just never diagnosed. So I just <laughs> always have to be doing something. <laughs> so you feel like it's hustle culture or like hustling in order to get the reward or like early bird gets the worm kind of thing. Like you have to make it happen for yourself. In that, in that respect. Yeah. Like you have to make it happen for yourself. Otherwise no one else is going to do it. And if you don't do it, like it's not going to get done. So it's like, let me just do it. Yeah. Get me over with. (laughs) And then I can relax and do do other things. Do you feel like, I feel like that's what you did with content. Like we were in, you and I met in a class that taught us about TikTok, which sounds so (laughs) like cringy. Do you remember that girl's contact information? I feel like I've tried to get in touch with her previously and like did not. Yeah. Nikki. Yeah. Nikki. Nikki. Shout out to Nikki. Yeah. I, I could probably find her email. Um, I don't know if she's still at TikTok, to be honest, but I feel like I tried to get it from Emily like a year and a half ago. And it was like, they're so secretive over there at TikTok. Like they don't want everybody to have their information. And she wasn't like immediately down to just like put me on an email with her. And I was like, why? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think there's so many different reasons for that. I feel like Nikki's one of those people that she was definitely a connector. So I, I met actually another friend through her. She like referred me. We did a session together 
and she referred me to her friend. And now I'm friends with her friend, but I'm not really close with her anymore. I don't know. I feel like she's kind of one of those, she pops in to connect and, and then like went away like yeah. a little fairy. She's yeah. got like fairy <laughs> energy. She was a TikTok fairy because she granted me with figuring out how to do it. So that's what I was going to say. Well, I feel like you out of that whole group that was in, that was taking that course, you were the only one who like blew up. Really? <laughs> I just, I like, I took to it like a sponge. I had her and then another friend of mine who is almost to a million followers now. And they were both giving me advice on what to do at like the same time. And then I also was in a realm where I didn't have events and sparkle bar and all the things to do. So like, right. I had not, I had time. Like I remember I used to like spend a, a couple of days writing out TikToks and then I would spend a day filming like 20 TikToks and then I would have content for like my whole week and I would just post it. And then, um, they were really big with like, you know, repetition and posting multiple times a day, like two years ago. And so I was doing all the things that the app was telling you to do as a creator. So like my content just kept blowing up and blowing up. And then, um, I also had a lot of women telling me how much my content resonated with them. So it was just a, like a, a formula for success, I guess, because I was resonating with people and doing what the app said to do, um, constantly putting out content and then being there, like being on live, you know, really interacting and uh, yeah. really helped me, you know, break that 100,000 follower uh, mark on, on TikTok. So you mentioned this is what I feel like a lot of people are, it's so elusive, right? The algorithm keeps changing on any social media app. Yeah. And so you mentioned like, this is what they were asking us to do, you know, two years ago or 2020 is when we kind of like both were learning at the same time. And so yeah. what do you feel like has changed either in your approach or like with the algorithm, like, do you feel like you're constantly adapting to it? Or now that you found your niche or your like solid foundation, you don't need to play that game as much. Oh, you still need to play that game. I was not playing that game for probably the past year um, because I didn't really realize that I needed to. I didn't think that I had to. I was still putting out content that was doing somewhat successful, but it wasn't, you know, hitting those same numbers like before. Yeah. But right now, TikTok is really pushing longer for longer form content. They're pushing shop um, and they're pushing storytelling. So they want creators we're going to open up their TikTok and sit in one frame and tell a story for, you know, five to 10 minutes. Um, and I have recently, recently been playing around with that and finding more success. Like my engagement is higher. Like I just posted a shop video that was like over a minute and a half long and it broke, it has like 2000 views, which it's like some of my views recently were pretty low, like not even breaking into the thousands, which for somebody with a hundred thousand followers, like that's pretty low. Yeah, right. Um, and you know, it was a combination of one, not posting frequently enough because it just is a lot of work. And then two, not necessarily giving the app and the algorithm what they wanted. But, um, in the past, let's say this new, in this new year, I have been focusing on longer form content and seeing the positive results of doing that. And basically just feeding the algorithm, like what it wants from me. Cool. Instead of what I want. <laughs> <laughs> because they don't really care. They're like, we don't care what you want to post. This is our platform. Either you're going to post what we want you to post or we're not going to show your content to anyone. So if you're not paying for the product, then you are the product. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Well, don't you feel like you're also just adapting what you want to say into a different form? Like, Absolutely. you know, it's just playing the same 100%. game, right? In a yes. different way. Yes. So 
Um, I really built my following with like short form series. So I had a, a wife in training series and then I did cuffing season boot camp, and then I did how to master your meat cute. And those were all series where the videos at maximum would be one minute long. I would post three to five of them in a day, um, quick clips, sometimes 15 second videos, and they would all do really well at that time when that's what TikTok was looking for, all under the dating focus. Now I just came home from an event and I sat and I did a four minute video, me recapping meeting a guy at an event. And that engagement this week has done better than if I would have tried to like be teaching me how to date like that. Like I, I, what's great about TikTok is that it's monkey see monkey do. So it's like when you scroll through your for you page and you see what other people are doing and that's on your for you page, you just have to do that. So it's like, I noticed that there's the people who I've stopped to watch their videos longer um, and the people who I see more reoccurring on my timeline, or I guess for you page, are the people who are just like sitting there, good lighting, telling a story for a really long time. And so I did that and I've seen positive results in my engagement. And I like that. I'm taking notes because I feel like storytelling is something I enjoy doing. So I'm like, oh, is that what they want from us now? Cool. Maybe I'll re- <laughs> Maybe I'll re-engage for like a little bit before they yeah. quit, before they change their Changing approach. Again, they are rumoring that like, okay, they've been pushing shop. They're going to change it again, you know, soon, especially it's a new year. So are you selling products on shop? Yes. Cool. When I, when one comes in my inbox that I like and I want for free, I will do all the <laughs> things and like send it. And I, like I said, I just posted a shop video that was a minute and a half long. It only had like 23 likes, but it had 2000 views, which is like, that doesn't usually add up, you know, something with 23 right. likes would probably get like two to 300 views. But this, you could tell, you just can tell that it was pushed through because it's a shop video, uh, but people are saving it. So I hope they buy it. I got a massage gun and it was really cool. I've told a funny story about how you can use a massage gun as a vibrator. Right. <laughs> 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 okay, so we're getting into where do you take like inspiration from like the greats? Like I'm thinking about like Samantha Jones with that kind of story time. Like, like Sex in the City? Yeah, yeah. Like do do you feel like you're pulling inspiration from any like personas when you're doing content? Do you feel like it's it's just you, but like that like heightened version of you? Do you think about it like that? When I'm telling the story back. I, yeah, I draw my inspiration from like great rom-coms. So just now when I told that story, I like referenced, he's just not that into you, you know? So like for me, I'm like, whenever I meet a new guy, I'm always channeling Gigi from he's just not that into you. Do you you remember which character that is? It's Maggie Gyllenhaal's character. She's the one who's like... (laughs) she's the one who goes out with a guy and she's like, it went really great. She goes out with Sean Connelly's character. And she's like, it went really great. I bet he's leaving me a message at home right now. And he's, they show him and then he's calling Scarlett Johansson's character and he's like not calling her at all. And she's just like desperately waiting by the phone. And then she like stalks him and she's like, um, he never called. So I'm going to say to casual running at the city supper club. And then she like goes to stalk him and then she meets Justin Long's character. Oh my God. I have to watch that movie today. So yeah. Okay. So you're, (laughs) So do you feel like I'm the reason why I'm asking is because I think that people can sometimes break through that content fear, like fear of like posting. And I know that's something that helped me a lot is by coming up with this like different persona 
of like mm. you, you know, like before, and this has changed, but like high priestess of Brooklyn was like a different version of me. And so I felt more comfortable giving content in a way that was just like this other kind of like a little bit cheekier, snarkier, or like more mystical. I flexed obviously. Um, but -hmm. I think it was helpful to have somewhat of a persona. So it wasn't like all on me at the Mm -hmm. end of the day. It wasn't like Alex Cahill is putting herself out there. It was like high priestess of Brooklyn's putting herself out there. Right. So I guess that's why I ask, I think, you know, St. Vincent is one of those, um, artists that comes to mind, you know, that has like a persona. Her name is Annie, but she goes by St. Vincent as a performer. And I think sometimes it can help people break out and I know you're the sparkle queen. So like, do you think that helps? It's a little bit of both. I do like the a bit of a, there's a bit of an anon- anonymity behind me being a sparkle queen, right? Like I meet people out in LA and they have to say, oh, what's your name? And they don't know, which sometimes I don't mind that. Um, <laughs> but if you talk to my friends, they'll tell you I'm the same person either way. Like the, the, yeah inflections and the attitude and everything that I have when I make these videos, it's me, you know, like I will say it to your face in person just like that. Um, But the social media gives me a platform to reach more people because, so let's say you, you, we, I meet somebody at a party for the first time. I'm not immediately going to tell them what I think about their entire dating life. You know what I mean? Like I might be thinking it in my head I'm not going to say it out loud to them. Whereas like if you come onto my page, you're going to immediately get my real like thoughts and opinions without even having to know me or have a conversation with me. But that's still me, you know, and it just is a it's a different way for me to be able to say direct things like, you know, being a Sag, you know, I am they call us a truth monster. Like I'm very direct. (laughs) I say it like it is. (laughs) And sometimes it gets me in trouble. But other times like and I just I find that it, it doesn't bother me when it upsets other people. Cause I'm just like, what do you want from me? <laughs> right. Well, also when it comes to content and social media, it's like, you're on my page. So like, if you don't like my shit, then get off my stoop. I tell people that all the time. I'm literally like, because I will say some <laughs> things that people don't like. Right. And that's how the, the trolls and everything starts going off. And I'm like, do you remember, like, you're on my page. You don't have to be here. The amount of times I've commented it to people being like, you don't have to be here. You can keep scrolling. Why do you care so much? <laughs> it's that it's the same thing as reviews, right? Like people either leave a review if they're like obsessed with the service, the food, whatever, the experience, or if they're so pissed and they had like a horrible experience. And yeah, I think most sages I know are like very unapologetic about yeah, yeah what you yeah, like they're made for social media in that regard. Cause that I mean, polarization creates engagement. Exactly. And so I love, okay, this is something else, you know, Sag being a fire sign. I love to poke the bear, right? You know, I like, I'm the one that I'm going to fucking light, pull all the lighter fluid on it and throw the match in and watch the flames because being a fire (laughs) sign, I'm like, ooh, fire. (laughs) So I realized that instead of poking the bear in like my actual life, where things can go wrong, I could do it on social media and then it doesn't, you know, actually really affect me and other people are upset and they're going to be in my comments and they're going to be upset, but that boosts my engagement. So it's just better for me. And then I get to sit back and like read the comments and being like, <laughs> like I, <laughs> I triggered you. Like I did it. Like for me, it's, it's entertaining, especially when it's in the realm of social media because it doesn't have to, it's not so serious. I feel. 
I love that approach because I think if we really look at social media as a different realm, and I think about this as like the video game, you know, analogy of life, right? Like that's a totally different like realm than your real life. You you are acknowledging that. And I think a lot where people sometimes have difficulty is like not seeing the like it's too blurred, you know, between yeah. that world and and Instagram versus reality, right? Like mm-hmm. um and I think where I I I'm so sensitive. So I think that that is something that people wouldn't know about me. But like when people even say like, I don't like what you wrote and it's like something about fashion, I'm like, I ha- I have internalized certain things where I'm like, oh my God, did I not say that the right way? Did this and that, you know? And then I'm like, I need to take a break because this that is a person I don't know mm-hmm. who felt emboldened enough to write whatever they wrote and they don't make content. They don't have, it's like, it's not an empathetic platform and yeah. that, for a, like, because I'm so empathetic, sometimes I like forget that. And then I get like my feelings hurt. And so I'm like, let me pull all the way back from this anonymous platform, because I don't know if that's the best place for my feelings at the moment. You know, you have to, you have to separate your personal emotions from it almost all the time. And for me, I just block people. Like, I don't, if you say something a little too far, I'll just block you. You know, and I used to go back and forth with people. TikTok recently has been dinging you as a creator if you comment something that's not nice. Even if someone said something to you first. Wow. And I know because I've gotten dinged because you, as, as, as I said, I'll just say it to people. Like, I don't care. Instagram, you could be ratchet. They don't care. You can say whatever you want. <laughs> but it's back less of a ratchet platform. I feel like Instagram no, is built Instagram's in a completely different way. Ratchet. Now that I've been posting that, yes. And I used to think that too. I used to think that TikTok was more ratchet in the comments and the trolls. But now that I've been posting my same dating content on Instagram, I'm like, wow. Okay. The Instagram trolls are way worse than the TikTok trolls. I love and that you're not. They're more entitled and then they think they really know, especially when it comes to dating. I'm like, <laughs> mm. Mm. okay, you know, okay. I love that you're not like, you're just like running straight up to trolls. Like that is yeah, a real, <laughs> that is a real skill. That is, I'm really, I'm jealous of you. I think that's why you're so successful because you don't really, you don't have fear. No. Wow. Why do you think I mean, you don't have fear? I was teased as a kid, you know. Okay. People said it to my face for years and you have to grow up. You get a you get a thick skin when that happens. So it's like becoming coming into social media, I already had a really thick skin, right? Um, and then when I just think about the fact that like these people are never gonna meet me, especially the ones that don't have profile pictures, they don't post anything, they're never gonna come out anywhere to actually like see I'm never gonna see these people in person. No. Ever. So why should I care what their opinions are? And usually their opinions are wrong. For me, the only time it really gets to me is if it's like rooted in a little bit of truth, right? So I posted um, uh, like one of my where to meet men's and I had, it was the one where I was like, none of these men were approaching any women at this bar. And some guy was like, no one's going to approach a geriatric overweight person in the bar. And I was like, geriatric? <laughs> You can call me fat. Like, I don't care. I've been literally teased about my weight my entire life. Like, I'm always, I'm literally dieting right now. Like, I don't, that doesn't bother me. But I was like, oh my God, I just turned 33. Like, I'm not that old. <laughs> Excuse <laughs> like, me? <laughs> but so it's like little ones like that, that when it's rooted in a little bit of truth, like, okay, I felt that. I felt that. <laughs> I felt that. 
Oh my God. I'm older than you. Holy shit. I'm never going back on social media. You've just scared me for life, scarred all of us for life. Um, I, I also think being unapologetic or fearless means that you will get farther just because, I mean, yeah, one out of a million like got to you, but you know, the sheer volume of the things that you're getting on a daily basis. And this is true, right? I, I mean, I would love your feedback on this, but they say that, you know, one out of 10 comments can be negative and we're going to focus on that one when the vast majority are positive. Like you are helping Not people. You, no? What is, okay. Tell me like what it looks like and, and why you think it's not overwhelmingly it positive. De- it depends on the post, but I did a post a couple months back that was telling black women that it's okay to date interracially. I saw that. That was a lot. It for has them. like, yeah, I, it, at this point it was over like 400,000 views. Most of the comments are from black men telling me how dare I tell black women that they can date outside their race. And it got really bad to the point where like majority of the comments, like 60% of them are negative. And I was like, oh my God. And I was, I literally was like, Instagram, why did you show this to a bunch of men who were going to disagree? Like, that's so not even who this content was for. It's for women. And then there would be like 10% of the comments would be women being like, I support this. Like, I think this is great. Like, thanks for sharing this. Right. But for the most part, it was just men bashing me and then going back and forth with each other, going back and forth with other women, calling me a coon, calling me a bed wench. That's what, and that's when I, like when people comment things like that, like you just get blocked, you know, like I don't yeah. even, and then oh when you God. start talking nasty to like the women in my comments and saying mean things to them, you just get blocked. Like, I don't care. So I feel like there's a lot to unpack there, but what's your take on why that happened? I'm going to say this and I'm going to and I'm going to say it because this is how I genuinely feel. There is a segment of black men that feel if black women didn't have options, we would be we the only choice we would have to date would be them. And they want to keep it that way so that they don't have to become a better man, right? Take their options away so that their only choice is to date us and we can continue to be mediocre. And no one's going to like make us have to try to be better. Now, I said, this is a segment. This is 100% not all. Mm -hmm. But the segment of them are the ones that sit around with enough time to be in my Instagram comments. And that's what I thought. Dude, that I would actually date, they're at their job right now. (laughs) Like, they're working. (laughs) Regardless of what race they are, they don't have time to be in my inbox or my Instagram comments going back and forth with a bunch of women. Okay. That's why you can't get a date because <laughs> yeah. you're too busy on Instagram. Go get a job. Like, mm, go get a second job so you can afford me. That was my ex's issue. I want to ask you about that because I listened to your 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 podcast, which talked oh, about story time. You. Yeah, of course, mm-hmm. and long form. And um, it was I was listening to that part. Tell me your. Do you, are you cool if we, I mean, you're a Sag, you're like open to this, but are you cool if we like disagree a little bit on that? And, yeah, and tell me what you're like successfully married and I would love successful. to hear your perspective. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, what is success? I like, that's kind of what I want to, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, we're, we're, we're good. We've been together for <laughs> seven years. I just would like, I think successful marriages are like not always, you know, sunshine and rainbows. It's like, what, like, what is success? I think is just that you're like making the choice every time to like continue to commit, which I yeah. think, 
you know, I just think success is kind of a weird thing with relationships because it's like, I don't know, what is success? What is failure? Like, I don't even, I think a successful relationship could even be one that ends, but like taught you a lot, you know? So I guess. for, For me, when I say to you, I mean, you seem to still be in love with your man. You know, you've been married a couple of years. Look at your, you're smiling. Like anytime that like, you know, he's brought up, you're smiling. That to me is success. It's success. Yeah, you're right. So tell me your um, theory or or kind of like how you've been approaching dating with the, I, I think part of it, we've talked about this before, has been mm-hmm. financial for you. So, you know, thinking mm-hmm. about somebody who you're in a relationship with dating you and courting you. And that includes, you know, financially um, contributing in a certain regard. So tell me more about how you feel about that. Um, Specifically with Mitch, it just started to feel very imbalanced with him. You know, he was six years younger than me. Right. And like one of the big things that I said to my family, my friends, I was like, you know, when we would have the conversations about money He never said, listen, I would love to be able to treat you all the time. I just don't have it right now. Like in the future, like I want to be able to be the provider. I want to be able to take care of you. I just can't. I don't have the means right now because I'm physically not there yet in my career, but I'm going to be. He said, I don't understand what the problem is that I ask you to pay for things. Like I don't understand why it's a problem I ask you to pay for things. And to me, those are two different things, two totally different statements. Right. And I told him, I was like, if you want a 50, 50 woman, you should go find one because I am not that. Right. Um, and so like my thought process in dating and someone courting you, especially in a relationship where we were only dating nine months was that when I'm in your presence as like the man, if I'm in your presence, you should pay for things. You should pay for things. If I want to volunteer, that's different. However, me being the sparkle queen, being an influencer, having the career that I have, I took us on two vacations on my dime. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I uh, was always getting us invited to parties and events in LA where it would be open bar or I got our tabbed comped or something like that. So I felt like I was contributing in a lot of ways that a woman who de- didn't have the means that I had wouldn't have been contributing at all, at all. Yeah. Right. And when it came time for him to pay for things, he still wasn't always just doing it right. Like when we would go to a party, I would still be take, paying for our Ubers to get back and forth. You know, like he would, to me, even when I, when I take my girlfriends to these events and they know they're getting free food and drinks because they're coming with me, they insist on paying for the Uber. They insist on tipping the bartenders. They insist on doing all these things. And he just like, wasn't he started to get used to me just always doing it. And it just mm. felt very imbalanced. And I didn't feel like I was in my feminine. I started to feel like I was mothering him. Um, and you know, I think I even said it in my podcast. I was like, listen, I'm not saying that I would never contribute. Like when we are, you know, really seriously talking about marriage, we're talking about living together. We're talking about how we're going to split all of those things. Of course I would contribute. You know, I I'm a working woman. I, I have the money, but we couldn't even agree with like who should tip for us both at the bar. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like mm-hmm. that to me was a lot of like, this isn't working for me anymore because I already feel like I'm giving so much. And another thing my mom liked to point out, like to point out, 
when I was making the plans for us, if we were going out somewhere, I would always make sure that we would like pregame at my house or I would cook meals for us at our house. And that's another thing with him. Anytime I cooked for meals for us at my house, it was always all on me. I never asked him for money. And if I did ask him to bring something, there was always some sort of like, why is this a conversation that we're even having to have? And for me, it was just, it was just like, you know, like he just wasn't there yet. And I said to him, I was like, listen, (laughs) you don't get it right now, but later, hopefully you will. And I was like, also, you think we should live together? I'm like, we can't even like, we're not, you're not there yet. You're not ready to live with me, period. You know? And like, I would love to get your perspective on it because I've asked a lot of my girlfriends, like even a woman, she's been married 30 years and she's a really close friend of mine. She, uh, her and I work at the yoga studio together. And I was like, at what point did you start splitting things with your husband? She goes, we don't split anything. You've been married 30 years. She's like, never. Like, that's not something that we do. And like all of my friends that I were around, I'm like, does he ever ask you to like pay for stuff? And they're like, no. (laughs) But then at the same time, like I look at like, you know, my brother and his wife, and I don't know exactly how they split up their finances, but I do know that there was a few years where he didn't have like a regular job and she supported him and that worked for them really like, you know, really well. But at the same time, my brother was keeping the house clean and he was making sure she had dinner when she came home and he was doing the laundry. Like my ex couldn't even pick up the cup that he would drink with on his side of the table at the end of, or his side of the nightstand at the end of the night. You know what I mean? He was leaving little messes for me around the house. So it's like, if you want to split things and you want it to be 50, 50, you have to help me. You don't, I make you all these meals. You don't clean the dishes after. Like, you know what I mean? Like it was just, it just really very imbalanced. I think that that's the key balance. It's ebbs and flows. And I think, I I feel like I've said this to you before too. Like I, from a financial standpoint, I view it a little differently and it's never been like a big hot button for me, but what I've always gone for in a, in a man and a partner is ambition because I think Mm -hmm. ambition actually like supersedes ambition and generosity, they supersede money because money is neutral. Like it comes and goes, it ebbs and flows. And uh, there have been times where I've been in debt and Leshix helped me. There have been times where, you know, I made more and we like worked it out. There have been times where we've like split rent evenly. And there have been times where like I paid a little more because I made a little more or he did vice versa. So all that to say, I really think that if you're in it in a partnership it doesn't matter when something starts to get split or whatever. It matters that there's a balance and there's an ebb and flow and that that person has your back and you feel that like that supersedes like how much money any person like has, or somebody could say like, I'm going to continuously pick up the check for you, but they're extremely controlling. And I just don't think it's a good metric to like determine if that person's like going to be your person or not, if they're like picking up the tab or not. I just think it's more complicated than that. And ultimately I think we're saying the same thing. It's just that you're looking at it with a different metric than I do. Yeah. And I, and the way to put it into words is to say, oh, he wanted me to pay for things. But like the reality is it's like the reasons why we broke up are, are deeper than that. You know, it wasn't purely just like who was paying the check for dinner. Yes. But that was one of that was just one of the things where the relationship felt imbalanced. It felt imbalanced because of our age difference. It felt imbalanced right. because, you know, I have the means to be going going to events and and parties that are sponsored 
every week. You know what I mean? He never, I, I realized in my relationship with him is that like, I need somebody who can also bring me into rooms like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't realize I was going to need that. And then when I didn't have that in my relationship, I'm like, oh, well, it, it, you, I'm getting us invited to, you know, one to two parties a week. Like, where are you ever bringing me? Like, you're not bringing me anywhere. When you do bring me somewhere, it is boring. <laughs> I do think that's part of the, what I mean about success, even if a relationship ends is because you needed to learn that. And there was something about that relationship that allowed you to realize what you actually care about and what are actually important core values to you. And I, I talk about this with business all the time, but I think it, it can be applied to truly anything. If your values are aligned, no matter how much money, what the job situation is, where you live, whatever the fuck, doesn't matter. If those things are aligned, you can weather whatever storm. But if yeah. you're not aligned there, then that's like the the foundation is is cracked, you know? Absolutely. And, you know, the, the age difference being so much and being at different places, like maybe if we were both in our 30s, it wouldn't have felt so much. What was the age but difference like, again? He was 26 and I was 32. So it's six, six years. Yeah, that's significant. And especially where a, a man is in his level of maturity as a 26-year-old and where a woman is at their level of maturity. And like, I'm also, start. I started my business at 26. You know, I spent the past six years building my business to where it is. He's at the realm where he's going to be starting right now. And like, that would have meant that my life was always going to be like six years behind because he wasn't there yet. You know what I mean? Like my yeah. friends are getting engaged. He was not, and that was another thing that broke us up. Like he was so not ready for marriage. And twice while we were dating, people, once one was one of his peers was like, dude, you should marry her. And he couldn't even articulate and say, yeah, you're right. I should. He was just like, uh, you know, like a 26 year old boy does when marriage gets brought up. It's like literally their whole balls like shrink into themselves. And they are like, oh, I can't even think about that. No yeah. matter how much he loved me, you know, he wanted to tell me you're my perfect woman. And I'm like, if I am, like, you didn't figure out how to keep me. Like, towards the end of our relationship, he was like, yeah, I think next year I'll try to get a part-time job. And I'm like, who are you talking to? I have so many jobs. I run my Sparkle Bar. I have my internet or my, like, social media business. And I work part-time at two different gyms here. And now, after dating me for nine months, you're like, maybe I'll get a second job. I'm like, you should have got a second job from the moment you got with me, knowing that it was going to be expensive to keep me. But those are just life lessons that, like, you know, he had to learn the hard way by losing me. Maybe he'll figure that out the next time. I don't, I don't know. Do you think, this is a hard question. Do you think that there was anything you could have done differently? No, because you can't change someone. Oh, you mean me physically? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like not like, to change him. Just like what no, I could have No, not to change him because you can't do that. But like what, uh, what do you think yeah, it I was? Spoke up sooner. I could have spoke up about my unhappiness sooner because – when it came down to our one of our final conversations, he said something to me like, which is such a stupid statement because he wasn't ready for marriage. He was like, haven't you heard happy wife, happy life? Like, aren't you really happy? And I was like, honestly, no, I'm not that happy. And I had never really told him yeah. how unhappy I was at the fact that I knew he wasn't ready for marriage. You know, me, the anxiety I had around our age difference was something that was there from the first day that I met him. And I tried to... Mm. forget about it. And for the first three months, it was like, I lived on that three month relationship high. And then in three months, he asked me to start splitting the check and it hit me again. And I was like, Oh my God, this man is not ready for what I'm ready for in terms of like lifetime 
commitment. And then at four months when someone said, oh, you should marry her. And he couldn't even say, you're right. I should marry her. And I was like, okay. And I had a conversation with him the next day. And I was like, listen, this is four months in. I was like, listen, I know you're not ready for marriage, but you need to understand that I am. And I'm not going to sit around and wait for you to be ready. And I told him at four months, I was like, I will not stay in this relationship for a year just for the sake of staying in it for a year. I know what I want. You and and I was like, you need to figure it out. I told him at four months, I was like, I want to be with a man who ha- can say, I have a plan for my life and this is how I see you fitting into it. Yeah. And he said, okay. And I never brought it up again because I didn't want to be the dead horse. But you're not actually looking at me and asking me how I feel about how you're showing up in this relationship. But my fault is that I didn't vocalize that to him enough because I didn't want to mother him. Yeah. I have no intentions of mothering any man. Like there's things that you should, you should know. Um, and I had communicated these things to him at points in our relationship that like men will get themselves ready for marriage. They will get themselves ready for commitment. You don't have to tell them this. And I've seen it with other men. I've watched my brother do it. Yeah. He got himself, he turned himself into a husband and now a father. Yeah. And not because his wife said, Keith, you have to do this. No. He did it for himself. And my ex was not doing that for me. I feel like you've got to be with someone who right off the bat already wants to get married. Like, because it's, I, I remember a ta- and timing is everything. And I think you're right. Like men just mature at a slower clip than women do. And we, th- we think we overthink, we overanalyze, we like think a lot about a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that there's a, it's in sex in the city. It's like the light. I always think about the, the, the cab that has the light on. It's so, so true. true. It's, it really it's is so like true. there were Men on this realm of believing that it's just going to happen for them whenever it happens. Like they'll just magically meet someone and women operate knowing that like, you know, we have a biological clock. We got to figure it out. We have to do the things that we have to do to meet the right man. And reality is it's not even meeting the right man. It's being in front of that man when he turns his light on and he decides who's ready. Yeah. Or being, you know, it's, it's truly timing. And then it comes down to, are you aligned? Like, are you compatible? Are you, you know, do you want the same things out of life? Because there's plenty of people that you could be with just for, you know, partner, you know, having fun or, you know, going out or whatever, but like having kids with someone, having, you know, long-term commitment, building a family with someone, that's a very different type of person. And I think, you know, you, you had, it sounded like in the, in the podcast, you had kind of an initial gut reaction, which was like, no, you're not ready to your, the, the guy you ended up dating and like you ended up just, you know, being right. But I do think that going through the experience you learn some of those lessons kind of the hard way and you're like, okay, now I'm going to practice what I preach and like really like take it to heart because it you cannot change somebody. No. You can, you can hope and pray that they like their light turns on when you're in a relationship with them. But I know plenty of people that that just doesn't ever happen. Yeah. And so for me, he was my first relationship. I needed that experience. Yeah, you did. Of- being in the relationship with him and just being in a relationship period. And I'm so thankful that it was him. He was such a great first boyfriend, you know, Mm. he was great, but he wasn't meant to be the husband and that's fine. Yeah. Right. Boyfriend and husband are different things. Like you hope it's, it's the, it's the person if, you know, they're going to be your boyfriend and then your partner, I guess. But like 
they don't always, it doesn't always work perfectly. And I think, you know, for relationship coaching too, like, again, yeah, it gives you street cred. It gives you the experience to go back to, to say, okay, when I operated like this, this is what happened. When I operated like this, this is what happened. And you know how it is with business too. You can read every playbook you want, but it's very different when it comes down to it because every situation is different. Every business is different and, and it's really um, similar in relationships. Are you still thinking about relationship coaching? I'm not sure like where you're at with that, but. I'm not doing it in, in a realm to like make money. Okay, cool. You know, like, yeah. I, the people who I seek guidance from, when it comes to their level of relationship coaching, they put out like very detailed courses with with journals that you can print out and all of these, you know, things. And I'm like, I'm not doing that right now. Like maybe at a later point in my life when Sparkle Bar is, you know, running itself essentially, and I don't have to be so hands-on with Sparkle Bar, I could have time and space to do something like that. Um, and maybe by then I'll be married. Um, but I don't see myself putting out a full-on program. Um, yeah. My coaching is more so on me sharing my experiences like through my TikTok and yeah. my Instagram. Yeah. I feel like dating and kind of mastering the date, the meet cute, I think you put it before. Do you feel like there is a specific, you're so good at content, you figured that out. Do you think that there's a specific like dating playbook too? Oh, definitely. And I feel like I've shared it. You know, like I said, I did a cuffing season boot camp. So it's like, I, I can tell a woman how to dress, where to go, what to do when you get there, where to position yourself in the bar, where, even if you're not going to the bar, you're going to go to a bookstore. You want to go to the grocery store, go, you want to do it at a workout class. Like I will, I can tell you everywhere to meet a man and then what to do when you show up and you get there. And then what to do once he reaches out to you and texts you. And like, I'm so lucky right now. i told all my girlfriends, I was like, I'm not really going out of my way to meet men, but everywhere, every time I leave my house, I still end up giving my phone number out to somebody, which is like, that's just where my energy sits right yeah. now because I've, I've, you know, built it to be here so much. And I am so good at like making that eye contact with somebody when you're out holding it and holding it like that couple extra seconds. So they know, Oh no, she really is checking me out. She's not just looking in this direction. Like you have to hold it for that extra couple seconds so that they get it, especially because men can be so oblivious, so oblivious. Which is and I kind was of like, uncomfortable. Like I, <laughs> it is. It I like. Is. I I love that discomfort. I I'm yeah. comfortable in the discomfort. You I think lean that's right in. Like, oh yeah. <laughs> well, I think I think you know being a successful entrepreneur, you also have to be uncomfortable a lot of the time. You've been talking about Sparkle Bar. Like, let's just talk about where you're at with the business now and where you want to go. You know, like kind of what you're noodling on right now. Yeah. So 2024 is all about growth for the Sparkle Bar, which is really exciting for me. I'm building a team. So big, yeah, big goal is to have a um, semi part-time or like semi full-time part-time manager here in LA who can work events when I'm not there, lead a team when I'm not there so that I can have uh, two events taking place at once, as well as somebody who will come to the festivals with me as the manager and can be, be the liaison between me and my staff, right? So Bottle Rock, I'm going to be managing like 15 people this year. And I personally, I don't want to manage people. I just want to run the business. So I'm going to hire a manager and be like, you talk to them. I don't want to talk to them. And if they have questions, they can ask you. And then if you still have a question, then you can ask me. But I want to deal with 
the festival heads, the clients, and I, of course, the customers, you know, I'll talk to the customers and make sure that they're good and everything. And I'll sparkle the people that I want to sparkle and the people who pay the premiums get sparkled specifically by me. Um, but in terms of like managing the 10, 18 year olds that I'm going to have working for me, like, I don't specifically want to do that because I have seen that I have so many other things to handle that I have, um, I get short with people like Uh my staff and like, I don't want to have to like do that. You know what I mean? Like, that's not a cool thing from an owner. Um, and I, but I know how I am. Like I said, I don't want to manage 10 people, talk to all the customers, talk to the festival, have to deal with everything from them, all the things that they want from me. It's just too much. So it's like, if I could take that off my plate, I think it would be a very much nicer environment for everyone that works for me. Mm -hmm. And it would definitely be nicer for me. Yeah. Um, you know, and so like, that's a big goal, right? Once it's like, if you build it, they will come when I have the team in place. I mean, the business is already coming, you know, the business is already here. I already in February have people looking at me for events and two events on the same day that I'm like, Oh, I got yeah. get staff ready because the opportunities are here. And Coachella is going to be my biggest Coachella year yet. Same with bottle rock. I'm adding in tooth gems at all my festivals this year. Um, it's just, it's going to be big. So I do agree with that. You need a fire lit under you to, to make the structure. Um, and sometimes we just like, don't, you have to prioritize so many different things. And so you just can't prioritize everything. And so waiting for you to get to that place where you're like, okay, it's time. Now I need to, do you feel like you have some, okay. Cause I used to be a recruiter. Did you know that? I don't know if you knew that. I used to hire people for a living. So do you need help? And we can talk through it right now. Okay. So what, do you have somebody in mind? Do you have like an archetype, somebody you've worked with before that you loved that Um, you're thinking about? Yeah, No, no, I don't. Honestly, I have an archetype. I don't know what this person, I know what I want this person to be like, obviously they need to have leadership skills, potentially be a little bit older, but not older than me. Um, I, the biggest thing is that like, they can't try to overstep me being such a young business owner. Um, people think they know better than you because they're older than you. They also need to be proactive because I am not a micromanager. That's another reason why I'm hiring a manager, right? I will say, do this, this, and this, and then I'm going to turn and do something else. And you have to figure it out, you know, do it. And like, sure. Ask me questions, you know, oh, should I do it like this? Should I do it like that? Fine. But I'm not going to be like, oh, turn it ever so slightly like this. I'm not going to be hovering over you while you do it. I'm going to give you the instructions. And I'm going to expect you to be able to take it and run with it yeah. and like use your best contact skills. I think that, um, what I've always thought about with, with hiring is that, you know, you want to hire somebody that knows more than you in the area that you're hiring them for, um, not necessarily just usurp you or, you know, to get the praise or anything like that, but just, you want to hire an expert to a certain degree because then you have less things to handhold them about. Um, but then management style is maybe the thing that you're concerned with, which is, you know, you're probably going to need somebody who doesn't have a similar personality to you, meaning that's going to, you're going to butt heads with them. You need somebody who's a little bit more like, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of feeling like somebody in hospitality, almost like a schmoozy kind of like manager at a, at a restaurant or someone who's nicer than me. 
Someone who's a schmoozer. Like that's a thing. That's a very specific skill. I'm kind of like a schmoozer. I was a hostess and I feel like that's maybe you even need like a hostess because it's like not managing. You're not managing. You're managing like flow. And when you have like customers coming in and you want somebody who like, I think you need a hostess. I'm just, that's what I'm thinking about because think about it when I, okay. (laughs) I was a hostess when I was like 18, like 16, 18. You had to know every, not only who judge who's coming in and who's, who they're going to have the best experience with as far as server, but also know that you cannot seat the people who like, Okay. You there's got tables at once. I was yes. a my Yes, so right. Like you can't exactly. overload that person with tables because they're not gonna be able to take it. Yeah, for sure. That or and then the people are gonna be pissed at you if like somebody didn't tip and it's like, how could I tell if they didn't tip? And they're like, Well, they're European yeah. and I'm like, I'm not gonna like discriminate people, but like, right, like also you have that. to yeah. also you have to mm-hmm. realize like, okay, if I piss that person off today, then I can't piss them off tomorrow because they're gonna like hate me right. and like You know, it's just like managing a lot of those, like managing personalities, like all of that stuff. You could be really good at flow, but you need to make everybody feel like they're being taken care of. Even if you like sat them in the shittiest spot in the restaurant, you know what I mean? Like, so I feel like in that way, you know, you don't have to, it's not an arm in the leg kind of job and you could also get somebody who grows with you and like ends up taking on more and more responsibility. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to have to like have someone this year and then have to train someone else next year. Like I want somebody who's going to be down to work with me for a couple of years and not look to just steal all of my knowledge and go do it for themselves. You know what I mean? Like I want somebody who really just like wants to help me build and doesn't have their own agenda, you know, mm-hmm. because like that's, you run into that a lot in LA. People just want to pick your brain for their own like use and then go take your ideas and do it on their own, you know, as it I is, mean- it's like, Every other day I see someone else who started a sparkle bar and like, obviously they're not copying me. I didn't, you know, fully originate this stuff, but like I see a new glitter bar pop up every other day and I'm like, oh, this person has a glitter bar. I'm like, okay, cool. I've been doing this seven years. (laughs) Yeah. And that's the other thing about just business in general. It's like looking you like, you're not doing this at all by any means, but there's always going to be a competitor. There's always going to be like somebody else who's like trying to do what you do, but only you can do it in the way that you're doing it. I think like being an Aquarius rising too for you, like you're always going to kind of see what's next, the trends and like be sort of up on that next like frontier and that you probably can't lean into as much when you're running the business because it's like, there's so many other things that you need to do, like your taxes and like managing, you know, I love glitter. So when it comes to like the trends, that's just what I naturally see anyway. So like that, has never been an issue for me. You know, like when we added in the hair tinsel, I was like, oh, this is going to be big. Let me learn how to do it. When when Euphoria came out and it was all about the the gemstone like eyeliner and like the, the more like intricate details around the eye, like I, I made sure to practice up on that because I was like, this is going to be huge. And now it's tooth gems. And so tooth gems are, they've been around, but they've, they're really exploding now. So like now we're doing tooth gems. I don't, but like, these are things that I just naturally see because like I love sparkles. So yeah. it's like easy for me to, to find that. I don't have to go out of my way for it, which is another reason why this is the business that I run. Yeah. It's, um, it's good to find the thing that you would just be learning and, and playing in, regardless and make that your business. Like I've been thinking about that. Like just what's the thing you can do with your eyes closed. And if it's playing with 
Yeah, which is great. And that's why you've been mm-hmm. so successful. I'm, you know, and running a business. Um, and you know, having savvy, but I think it's because you're passionate about what you're doing. It's not like you are like you're excited about the next, you know, festivals yeah. that you're doing. You're excited about the the ability to play, which is really fun. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're manifesting that you get your manager on board before Coachella. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I also think this is a good time if you don't have it already to have your core values for the business set up so that you can make sure that the person you hire also has those core values and like interview them around them. Yeah. So like I'll give you, um, we can talk through it right now, but like there's so many different values, obviously it's similar with a brand, uh, colors or, you know, branding that you do, but these are like we were, we were talking about with the relationship, like what do you care about? What does the business stand for? What are those foundational things? So that when you're bringing new people on board, when people are deciding which Sparkle Bar they want to work with, they want to work with you because your values are synonymous with theirs and there's an alignment mm-hmm. there. I know that like when it comes to customers coming through a festival, that might be like they're coming to you because you're there, but this is more for like those bigger clients too. And like, you know, getting the different festivals that you want and like getting, if you want to create a product, you know, all of those types of things. Like, um, and I mean, like, I know you have a product, but like, if you want people to purchase your product in Ulta or something like that. So, um, there's so many different core values that I think it's a fun exercise to like go through and see like, okay, what words kind of resonate with me? Why? I feel like I could tell you some core values that I feel like I feel from you, but I feel like that's, you know, it's an individual thing, um, to go through it. But, but things like, um, transparency, I think you, you're a very transparent person. What you see is what you get. I'm going to be like fully truthful and honest about the pricing. Like those types of things. I have the similar value, right. But we express it in a different way. And I think that's why like we can come on and kiki like, every once in a while. Right. Cause we just like, yeah. I'm, I'm not putting on any airs and neither are you. And I really appreciate that about you. You're just very like open and honest. So that's like one yeah. core value. I'd say that when you're hiring somebody, you want to make sure like, are you can tell you have a good judge of character. Like, are they fudging the truth on certain things? Mm-hmm. Are they giving me their references? You know, are they like super open and honest about the last place that they worked? If not, this isn't going to work because this person is right you know, not being forthright. And that's one of my biggest core values. So this isn't going to fly that kind of thing. Another one of my core values is it's about the artistry, right? Like Mm. you can't work for me if your art looks bad, right? Like if you put something on someone's face and it looks bad, I can't have that because that is my biggest advertisement at any event is when someone walks away, however their sparkles look, because they're going to walk over to that other side of the party and someone else is going to say, Oh, I want that. Or they're going to walk somewhere in the festival and someone's going to see their sparkles get done. And like what I love about what we do at Sparkle Bar is that we do have a stylized look that I have created that I tell everybody that I want it to look like. And people will come up in festivals and say, we saw a lot of people with glitter, but then we saw a lot of people with this specific type of glitter and we knew they had to be getting it from one place. And that is what I love. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're like, it looked very distinct and distinguished and good and professional. And we knew it had to all be being created from somewhere. And so we needed to come and find you. And then they found where we are. I love that. 
I think yeah. also artistry is like, you know, your manager maybe doesn't have to like sparkle people, but they need to take pride in their work. Like that's kind of where I would distinguish like, are they an artist? Maybe your manager isn't, right? Because if they're a great artist, then they probably don't want to be a manager. Um, but that core value is not as high for the manager, but it is like they do take pride in their work and they appreciate great art. So they're like, I couldn't I do it. I like, think about that because the person who, who, this person who also becomes a manager has to be able to do events like by themselves when I'm not there and with oh, the okay. rest of the Got you know, it. So they need, you know, if I get an event where they only want one person and I personally am booked to do something else, that person Got has it. to be able to go and create the artwork just like, just like I would, you know? Okay. Okay. Yeah. So then, I mean, you are hiring in your likeness to a certain extent. And so yeah. then it just becomes yeah. about the personality fit because yeah. I think what you're saying is I want somebody who like isn't necessarily going to challenge me on this is the way. I need somebody who's going to follow the script or the protocol but can also work a room and I can trust them by their by themselves. Um, yeah. And be authoritative so, yeah. enough that the other people who have worked for me because like I, I am lucky enough to have build, been building a team around the country. So I have people who've been working for me in different cities um, that are only used to direct, like to talking to me. But it's like, when I bring this other person in, they're probably, they're going to be a new person, you know, because they, if they were somebody who was already on the teams, they would have been the manager by now. So it's like, this person mm -hmm. also is going to have to be able to come in and manage people who are used to only dealing with me. But now I'm going to be putting them under like being like, well, oh, now you talk to this person and they're going to have to be able to deal with that as well. I remember when I, in the first three years I was in the business, when you talk to like larger marketers and, you know, people who are, who all, who are all about growth, 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 they're like, well, you have to figure out how to get more hands off the business. And I was like, well, I don't want to be hands off the business. Like three years in, I was like, I don't want to be hands, like, why would I want to do that? Like I started this business because I love to put glitter on people. Like that's what I want to do. I don't want to be hands off. Um, and yeah. so at that time I was like, no, I'm not ready for that. But now um, that I'm in my thirties and I don't want to sleep on a tent in Bonnaroo anymore. I need somebody <laughs> else to go do that for me. <laughs> yeah. By the time but it's I'm, like, I'm not going to want to do that. <laughs> totally. Totally. There's yeah. a time and a place. Yeah. I love that yeah. joy or the reveal or like making somebody feel really great about themselves. I think that there's like such a promising piece of that. That's so important. And I, I agree. I, I think you're already doing this, which is awesome. Like hiring people that don't haven't done exactly the same thing, but have like a very transferable skill set that you can be adaptable and kind of plug and play. I think, yeah. you know, why somebody want, I think a, a large part of hiring somebody is like, do they want to do what you're doing? And, um, yeah. are they putting their hand up for it? And are they excited about doing it? Because, you know, passion is one of those things that just, it gets you through all the tougher stuff because you like give a shit and you want to. I've done some deep diving, you know, like I, uh, when we first connected, I was at the very beginning of my like spiritual journey of figuring out why I was making the mistakes that I was making with love. And like a lot mm -hmm. of the dating coaches will say like the, the your relationship with with men is also tied to your relationship with money and the way that you can attract the same things. And so I've mm. learned a lot about myself and who I am as a person rooted into, you know, things like my attachment style, how I was raised, all of those, all of those things. Um, and I've been able to develop a different level of awareness around all of those things. 
you know? And like, yeah. even the fact that you were like, well, where does that come from? And I was able to immediately bring it to the women who have taught me how to be business owners. You know, mm-hmm. even the fact that I was able to immediately be like, well, I learned it from this person and I saw how effective she was. So I want to be that effective as well. And I want to have a long career like she does. And I, she doesn't take shit from anyone, this woman. And I plan right. to be that type of person because, of, because I believe, and from what I've seen, people will walk all over you if you don't, especially being a woman in business, especially being a woman in the industries that I'm in, especially being a young black woman who people like the people who do what I do in terms of sparkle bar companies are either like white influencer girls who are just like essentially a prop that like they put their name on something. Um, or they're like all these people that have like all this backing. Like I don't have any investor backing or funds or anything like that with, with people behind me that are going to tell me what to say to people, how to do it, how to do these proposals. Like, I don't have any of that. I am the only person who's there that can advocate for myself and my business. And if I don't, these, all of these companies will take advantage of me and try to walk all over from over me and give me less than I deserve because they think that I don't know what I deserve, but Mm. I had to show them that like, Oh, I do know. Yeah. Right. Your worth. And so holding yourself at, at your highest worth and the money will come and, you know, the partnership that you desire to. And I also think like, I say this a lot, you really can't fuck up your destiny. Like what's meant to be will be in many ways. Yeah. It's just not, it's not even worth like, I, I like, again, back to the beginning, you make quick judgments and decisions and I don't think you belabor stuff. And I think that that's really ultimately, you know, you don't want to make decisions too quickly, obviously, but like, or like too, um, too gut focused, but I, I don't think that's it at all. You're like, okay, I noticed like, th- and I, and I got out at the third red flag for me, you know, of the relationship. Right. Yeah. I could talk to you all day and I'm glad that we get a chance to always catch up, but, um, I'm going to let you go. Tell us like where everybody can find you and what you're excited about, where you're going to be next. Yes. So I am at Sparkle Queen LA on all platforms. So that's TikTok, Instagram, and even YouTube. I just started putting up more stuff on YouTube. Um, And I'm excited for Coachella 2024. If they would hurry up and release the lineup, that would be very nice. Um, (laughs) And my whole 2024 with Sparkle Bar is going to be huge. Um, I'm actively trying to stay single until I get to Coachella. You know, I'm like not really going out of my way to meet men, but I literally just met this dude on Thursday who's been texting me. So like, you know, we'll see what happens. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed, please consider subscribing and or writing a review on the platform you listened on. And if you know someone who would really benefit from this episode, please share. All resources discussed will land in the show notes along with our socials. And until next time, talk soon.